Welcome to Refocus. This is a special edition of San Diego News Fix. I'm San Diego Union-Tribune reporter Peter Rowe, and I'm here today with my friend and colleague, John Wilkins. John, uh, you've got a story in this Sunday's paper that's it's quite a yarn. Um, why don't you give us just kind of the, the bare bones of it? Thanks, Pete. Um, so it's a it's a long form narrative, as we call it in the business, about a, a Navy bomb technician named Kenton Stacy and his family. Uh, Kenton was grievously injured uh, when an IED went off in a hospital in Syria in November of 2017. And since then, I mean, he has gone through surgery after surgery. He was medevaced rather quickly. Um, you write about the golden hour. You know, this this one hour after. Uh, such a serious um, wound like this, where it's so critical to get him help. Uh, they did, uh, but eventually, I mean, in stages, they brought him back to San Diego, right? To his family. That's right. And, and he's, uh, he's paralyzed from the chest down in one of his eyes. He's blinded in one of his eyes. He had a significant part of his trachea blown out by the blast. So, as you can imagine, quite a gr- uh, horrible, horrible injury. Um, and uh, they... Uh, we're able to save his life, um, brought him back to, to the States. He's been in, a, in a, I think, four or five hospitals and uh, recently came home in April. So um, it's been a long road towards recovery, and as, as these things go, it's not a straight line. Well, I, I wanted to ask you how you learned about this and also when you started reporting on this, because as, as you read the story, you realize, hey, we are being brought along on a journey, and we see scenes over the course of several months, you know, where things are happening, uh, his situation is changing, the family dynamic is changing. You capture all that, uh, you know, kind of witnessing it for us. So how did you hear about the story, and how long did you report it? Well, so uh, I heard about this uh, from my editor, Mark Platt, our editor, shared editor, who, who heard about Kenton and suggested it might be an interesting narrative for us to do. Um, all we knew at the time was that he was seriously injured. We knew nothing about his family. Um, so I reached out to his wife, Lindsay, and um, it took a little while for me to, to get a hold of her. This was in November of 2018, so last November. It took a while to get be able to sit down with her, which, you know, as a reporter, that can be kind of annoying, right? We've got daily deadlines. We're going, come on, people, can't you just return our calls? Well, so I, then I, when I finally met her and, and heard about her family, four young children under the age of 12, uh, the oldest has cerebral palsy. She has about a, as full a plate as anybody you might imagine uh, dealing with that and also now trying to be uh, a caretaker and a cheerleader for a husband who went from uh, really a, almost a G.I. Joe alpha male kind of figure, super thrill seeker, um, involved in really one of the easy, easily one of the most dangerous jobs in the military. Uh, gone on four deployments in nine years, 50 combat missions. You know, he's doing, he's doing the work that, uh, that they make movies about. And uh, all of a sudden, he's not like that anymore. So she had a very full plate. Uh, and then we finally got together, and then, yeah, I was able to follow her and meet with her and kind of track their progress uh, and get to know them over a period of months. So over this period of, of months, as you're following the family and you're talking to different people, how did your conception of the story change? I mean, you must have gone in with a thought, 
that the story would be this, and instead the story becomes something else. But but how did that kind of move you as a reporter from A to B to Z? Yeah, that's always, I think, one of the hardest parts of doing this. And you and I have talked about this a great deal over the years as we've done various stories. But, you know, you, you have a story and you know what the chronology is, right? But that's not necessarily what the story is. And sometimes it takes you a while to figure out what this one is about. And so what I finally kind of what finally dawned on me was it really, in a lot of ways, that's hard. This is a love story involving Lindsay and Kenton and uh, their commitment to each other and um, uh, their desires, uh, their willingness to sacrifice for each other. And, and, and I hope that comes through in the story in a number of different places. So once I kind of got the idea that that was what it was going to be about and that um, uh, Lindsay was uh, as much a player in the story as Kenton was. I think it made it easier to sort of put the story together. Well, I know this morning as I was coming into the office, I was hearing from other people who had read the story. It got posted online today, and they were reading the story. Um, and they they were saying uh, how it made them cry. You know, you, you reduce these readers to tears. They weren't sure if they were happy, you know, if they should be thanking you or, or upset with you. But it's it's a very emotional, very moving piece. You yourself, in, in writing something like that, you have to have such a delicate touch. So how, how did you approach that? I mean, I, I know you, you had very emotional material to work with. Um, so were there some things that you held back on, other things you decided, I have to go with this? Yeah, and I, th- I, think, I think the more... I think in general, a rule of thumb, I guess I try to follow, is the more emotional the moment is in the story, the less overtly dramatic you need to be in your own writing. You know, you just sort of let the scene happen. Just let the reader in on what's going on. And um, You know, one of the things that I find remarkable about Lindsay is just sort of how matter-of-fact she is about what's going on, which I think is maybe... I mean, she could, she could be wallowing in grief and, and woe, and uh, but she doesn't do that. Instead, she's just kind of this is what it is, and we need to figure out a way to kind of move forward. And she's always got her eyes open for things that she thinks will help Kenton and will help her family. Um, which is not to say that she doesn't have moments when she just collapses from all this because it's overwhelming, and um, she gets depressed and she gets worried about what's going to happen to Kenton and then what's going to happen to her family. Kenton is the same way. Kenton, as you read the story, there are moments when Kenton tells her, you know, you should leave me and go on and try to build a new life with someone else. And, um, and she's not going to do that, she says. So, And then, uh, you know, there are moments when uh, Lindsay just feels life is really, really unfair, what happened to them, and uh, she has to get past that. Well, Kenton's courage, I think, is very obvious to the readers because it's it's a sort of courage that we respond to, we recognize right away, here's a guy who volunteers and volunteers for the military and he volunteers for, as you say, one of the most dangerous jobs to be dismantling uh, mines, uh, IEDs. Um, I mean, there's I can't think of anything that, that sounds, you know, more terrifying, really. 
Uh, so he goes out and does that. So you can see his courage right there. Mm-hmm. Lindsay's courage, though, she seems to be just as brave. I mean, just in the way she's facing this, the way she is the one who's kind of pulling the family along, and she's she's staying strong for everybody. Um, that was that was so moving to read. Um, and and I wonder again if this goes back to the time, the time that you were able to spend with the family and observe these things. That, that, that's part of it. And it's also that, uh, that uh, Lindsay is a creature of, our, of the digital age. She's in the military. She, she's from Ohio. Um, her friends in California are, for the most part, military people. She has a couple of friends she knows, I think, from college who she's linked up with. But uh, So what she does is she reaches out to the friends she has in other places through Facebook and um, primarily an Instagram. Um, and she uses that as a vehicle to keep people apprised of what's going on with Kenton, um, but also as a way to sort of share some of the things that are happening with her and the family. She posts pictures fairly regularly of things. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think she, I, I found her a remarkably strong person. Um, and uh, she does, She she's the... She's she's the anchor of that family, and she's the ship of that family, and uh, she can be uh, really really funny too when she talks about things. Uh, she still to this day finds it amazing that she has a husband who was has been in the navy for I think thirteen years now, and he's never been on a ship. <laughs> well, there's there's a point in the story where I think uh, you kind of step back and you address the reader directly, and and you say. You know, a lot of us um, don't think about this. A lot of us, if we're not uh, in the military ourselves, if we don't have uh, direct family who are in the military, we kind of let this go on in the background and we don't really think too much about it. Um, so was that was that part of the motivation behind the story was to kind of, like pull the curtain back a little bit and say, "Okay, here here's what's really happening." Yeah, yeah, it was, and that was one of one of the things that Mark mentioned when we first talked about doing this story. It would be a chance to to do that, to step inside this world in an intimate way and remind people of the cost that is paid uh, by the people who fight these wars that we don't, that most of us pay zero attention to. Well, you know, we're we're always uh, hearing or or ourselves saying, you know, thank you for your service. And I think it's kind of sometimes kind of glib. We don't really think about what that service entails or can entail. Uh, and this story certainly certainly tells us a lot about uh, what the cost can be. Yeah, well, thank you. And also, I think, about the extraordinary people uh, who are willing to bear that cost or who, um, you know, maybe I'm not saying he was willing to be blown up the way he was, um, but just that this family took uh, took on that job and right right you know and they're still doing it right they're willing to ma- willing to make the sacrifices and, and it was and the story I think is a reminder too that it's not just the men and women who are in the service but it's their families it really is a um, it really is a sacrifice made on a much grander scale than many of us maybe were aware of or paid attention to and um, the way that military community has rallied around this family is really inspiring too. One of the more remarkable things early on in this story that I discovered was that the EOD community was sending someone 
to be at Kenton's bedside when he was in the hospital every single day. And it was a, um, it was a, an assignment, that's the wrong word because people volunteered for it, but they would do it a week at a time. Some of them flew out from the East Coast, some were here in San Diego, some of them knew Kenton, some of them had never met him. But it was something that they all uh, were willing to do and they would run errands for the family and they would, those who knew the family would play with the kids and so they were kind of stepping in and being sort of a, a surrogate dad for, for the kids and just uh, just letting the whole family know that this that these uh, these bigger arms were around them. Right. And again, that's something that maybe we wouldn't know or think about unless we ourselves were involved directly with the military. Right, right. Well, this is a terrific, terrific read. I, I know readers are going to really get a lot out of it. Um, thank you. Thank you for doing it. Well, thank you, Pete. I appreciate the kind words. 